All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game. DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you've got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide into the DMs. We'll hook you up. Have you wondered if you wanted to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in. Links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles, baby. We got a good one coming for you. Uh, very special guest. We had a lot of fun this morning. Kind of took the morning off. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We went fishing here in Charleston. We were fishing for reds, but we ended up getting into some trout. My friend Andrew Beam from Beam Country is here to talk about hunting, fishing, and country music. So I'm really excited to have him here, but first let's get through the old sponsors, the ones that help us bring this podcast to you, you, you canuba, baby, the food that fuels the truck. New formula's out. I've gotten a lot of great responses for the three-month challenge, so if you haven't done it, now's the time. You're going to be impressed by their coat, their energy level, their athleticism, their teeth, but it takes a couple, you know, takes a bag or two. Get into their system, so give it three months, and then tell me you're not satisfied. I dare you. Next up, Gunner Kennels. Man's best kennel. Made in America. Stand for quality. Protect our dogs as they're traveling down the road. We're all over traveling for duck season. Now that duck season's not here, we're running to hunt tests. If you're covering mileage with your dog, protect them. Put them in a gunner kennel. It's kind of like back in the day, kids used to sit in the back seat without a car seat. Well, then that's not safe anymore, so let's put a car seat in, and then car seats keep getting better and better and safer and safer. Same deal here. 
get you a gunner kennel. If you're interested, shoot me a DM. We'll get you into one, baby. Next up, smoke them if you got them. Last night, I did a little barbecue crawl in Charleston. We went to Lewis's and Rodney's. And I had full-on meat sweats this morning. So good. But it was an inspiration for that Traeger. I'm going to go to work to perfect how I'm going to perfect my meat rubbing ability. (laughs) The better I can rub that meat, the better it'll grill. Improve my skill. I'm rhyming already. I'm sitting with a country singer and I'm, I'm writing songs already. Smoke them if you got them. Get that Traeger, baby. Next up, you know it. That bismuth. Mm. Shooting Kent. Check him out on Instagram. Kent has tons of great content there, but if you really want to kill ducks, get you into that. Mm. Bismuth. Next up, Dogtra. These guys are excellent quality, durability, and reliability, and their customer service is cannot be beaten good friends to us and i've supported them for over 10 years i've used their products for over 10 years i cannot say enough good things so if you'd like to learn more you can check out our website we sell most if not all their product line and you can learn about that selfish plug now little lone duck little lone duck outfitters.com if you enjoy the show if you enjoy some of the entertainment and education we provide or maybe you've asked me a question on Instagram and I've gotten back to you, helped you out with your dog. Do me a solid. Snag your hat. I swear, I'll high-five you. If I see you walking down the street in a lone duck hat, I will go, I will cross a road, high-five you, and cross back across the street. I promise you. So definitely check it out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. we got a bunch of great stuff on there. And then if you want to join the old Patreons, Patreon.com forward slash LoneDuckOutfitters we got training tips. We've got happy hours where you can have a beer with me and ask me training questions, uh, videos that are exclusive to Patreon. Um, right now, the project we're working on is like a force fetch, start to finish. I'm filming uh, four different young dogs right now every single day, and we're getting those. Well, Vimeo's been a little challenging for me, but you know I'm challenging that area. But we're going to get them all loaded up so that you can watch each dog, each different personality, different breeds, go through Forest Fetch program. So check that out. It's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Not Nothing to shake a stick at. Oh, and you win a hunt with me and Kevin next season with the Pit Boss. One lucky Patreon winner will get a all-expenses-paid trip to the Eastern Shore of Maryland to shoot scoters with the Pit Boss. Baby. All right, lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Keep us in tune with you, you in tune with us. Thank you all. All right, now that we're done with that, we got my man, Andrew Beam, Beam Country. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for joining us. And I appreciate you having me on here this morning. Had a good time on the water. and Yeah, it was. A little bit windy, but it's all right. You can't help that. I came in shorts. I was unprepared. Shorts and Crocs. Well, I mean, ride or die, bud. Croc life. <laughs> it obviously worked. You caught the gator. <laughs> called the gator trout that's right the gator trout we had a blast this morning but before we get into our morning andrew tell everybody a little bit about yourself man you don't need a uh a whiteboard and a marker for this one but uh long story short i'm from statesville north carolina is where i was born 
but I really say I'm from Cashers, North Carolina. That's pronounced Cashers, not Cashiers. A lot of people ask me where I'm from. I say, oh, you mean Cashiers? And I, I'm from Cashers. Um, my dad's a preacher, and um, basically I, I grew up in the mountains and went to high school in Anderson, South Carolina, and then went to Clemson University where I met Mr. Oliver Berman of Foundation Retrievers. And from there, I, I was actually a game warden, and I got put in Charleston, South Carolina, and thought I was going to do that really for my career. And uh, I, I've always I played guitar since I was 11 and grew up playing bluegrass and switched classic rock. And um, so it's always been there. And then when I started songwriting and singing, obviously country with my twang was the obvious uh, genre of choice there. Um, I started playing at Clemson for fun. It was the best college job you could ask for. And never really took it seriously. In hindsight, I probably should have, but everything happens for a reason. And when I got down here, even the guys that were training me in DNR were like, "Man, what are you? What are you doing? You need to. You're working for the state. You need to go to Nashville and make something of yourself." And I just kind of, I didn't listen because I want to be a game warden. I, I, my heart's still there. I still keep up with those guys about every day. Um, but I started pulling people over, and people recognizing me, and vice versa. I'd be at a show, and people were like, "Man, you're that guy that stopped me and checked for life jackets <laughs> and the fishing license last week." Um, so I knew at some point in time there was there was a merge coming, and uh, it was pretty obvious. And uh, May of 2018, I left uh, what most people would call a dream job, and really for a second dream job, and never looked back. And we were we were really crushing it going into uh, this time last year. We had the entire 2020 summer booked up, festival headlines, and a Texas tour, and really for a nobody that's kind of unheard of. But and I'm based out of Charleston, South Carolina. But I'll tell you, our our following is about the most loyal I've ever seen. I got a war with them for sure, and, uh, and then COVID hit. So it's been an interesting year for everybody, obviously, but uh, we're still here, and we're going to make it one way or the other. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So I want to hear a little bit about your Clemson days with Oliver. Tell a little bit about, like, you know, playing music there and and what it was like going to school at a big university. I mean, that's a huge school. It definitely is. It's changed a lot since I was there. Um, but I, so I went into Clemson as a pre-med uh, major, which is oh, really so you smart too. Yeah, don't Dang. don't let the accent fool you. Um, but no, on a serious note, that so it's actually it's biological sciences, not as, as technically pre-med. So I did that, and I I wanted to go into orthodontics because I used to take my own braces apart with pliers, and that's a whole different story <laughs> that I gave my parents. I'm sure more than enough high blood pressure, but um, I knew it made a lot of money, and I wanted to go into that, and I had the grades to do it. But after about a year. Really, about a semester into that, I was kind of just it. My heart wasn't there, and that's a lot of school to do something that you don't want to do. So I switched to wildlife biology, um, either going into my second semester or sophomore year. But I met Ollie my sophomore year, um, so it's still kind of the same curriculum to be honest with you. Um, but I just like a lot of country music singers, breakups influence a lot of things, and um, I started playing guitar after one of those my sophomore year, and it was actually a we call ourselves the Wildlife Boys. So there was a handful of us, you had 10 or 12, 12 guys, a couple of girls that were wildlife majors, and um, we all hung out and did everything together. And we none of us were in fraternities, but it was kind of like our own fraternity. And uh, we had a, a birthday party for one of the, the guys in particular, and, and they were like, man, you got to bring your guitar. And so nobody had heard me sing. I really hadn't played live anywhere up to that point. And uh, I remember it was a, a redneck theme party, and Oliver had a cutoff shirt on. I think I probably did too. And it was our buddy Pat Taylor's 21st birthday. And I remember I played Eric Church, Jack Daniels, and um, they were like, dude, you got to play live. And so Ollie was there really from the, the start of, of this music thing, if you will, because back then it wasn't anything other than I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go downtown and, and buy speakers this summer. I was actually interning as a park ranger for the Corps of Engineers. And uh, I saved up my money that summer, bought all my speakers for the following year, and started playing at Clemson. 
and uh, I've got pictures of me and Ollie from back then. And uh, that's when he bought Willow. Um, so it's a Fox Red Lab, and she she's awesome. Um, her her bloodline proved to be um, pretty substantial for sure with with Mackie. But uh, but back in the day, everybody said don't get a dog to Ollie, and uh, he he said you know I, I want to get a dog, I want to get this retriever thing. So he did, and I started writing more songs, and we were drinking a couple beers one night. He's like, man, you got to write a song about Willow. Because I remember playing, you know, back in the college days, beer pong or whatever it may be, and um, the ping pong ball would go off the table, and the dog would go grab it and bring it back to us. It was the coolest <laughs> thing. We even, I, I remember we, uh, Ollie and I had been, um, we actually bass fished one morning, deer hunted that night, and I remember I shot a doe with my bow, and later that night we were sitting there watching a couple hunt shows or whatever, and I was like, man, you got to train Willow to, Go get a beer out of the cooler. And uh, he, he told her she went right over there and did it. Now, pretty much the first time. We had to put a koozie on it so she could grab it. But yeah. he's like, you got to write a song about, about my dog. And so that following summer when I was a park ranger, I wrote it to him and sent it to him. And it's called That Old Duck Dog. That's cool, man. And it's a, it's a deep track um, that you can't find. it. There might be a YouTube video of it somewhere. I think there probably is. Cool. Um, he started the Retriever Club back then as well. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was uh, – I still got the T-shirt from it, actually. Um, so – there was a song I wrote back there. We made a little short video for it. So, um, and then moving on from there, um, he ended up in Charleston. Yep. When I got sent down here, I transitioned from being a park ranger to a game warden. And he moved down here for about a year. And um, I remember we were eating dinner one night. He said, "Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start my own, you know, basically business. I'm gonna start Foundation Retrievers in Georgia, and I'm moving next month." And I remember I told him at the, at the table that night. I said, "You know, I'm, I'm real close to doing the same thing with guitar." And uh, so short, shortly after that, I mean, always one of my best friends, but it's kind of cool to see starting in Clemson and two different job or careers, obviously, but kind of the same path. Yeah. We talked a lot on the boat about business and and it being your passion, but now wading through the waters of promoting yourself, uh, a, building a brand, you know, a personal brand, uh, that revolves around your music and your core ethics and, and all that. And one of the things that you said is there's a few things I, I don't talk politics, but I will always back law enforcement. And obviously that comes from your background and, and Kevin, my dad, you know, was a police officer. And so we're, I feel the same way. Like I don't get, I don't talk really politics about anything. I don't talk religion. I don't, if it's really opinionated, I steer clear of it, but those are like my fine lines. It's law enforcement. And then you said our country, you know, just supporting uh, this great nation that we're lucky to live in. Shout out to Canada, though. We do have a lot of Canadian listeners, eh? There you go. <laughs> but but that, is, that is the truth, though. You know, I think uh, there's no way that, that any of us could be doing what we're doing, especially um, uh, as business owners. Um, it wasn't for everybody out there on the, the front lines, whether it's overseas or, or here. Um, yeah, and that includes first responders as well. Yeah, it's firefighters, EMTs, all that. But uh, you know, it really—that's the two things that I don't care who you are. That's I'm I'm, I'm gonna always have have their back. Yeah, I agree. Tell uh, tell a few stories if you can about the game warden days, like a a funny story, like rolling up on a dude, you know, doing X. Give us a, a funny memory from back then. Well, man, so turkey season's right around the corner. Um, and uh, down here in Charleston, we, we worked a whole lot on the water, but we also had to do that as well, as I was telling you this morning. Um, but turkey bait's one of those things I, I loved finding. So basically, um, for those that, that aren't aware, um, in South Carolina, 
you you can't bait turkeys 10 days prior to you hunting an area so every single um whether it's a kernel of corn or, or grain any you know, it's weed or anything like that has to be gone 10 days to hunting it um so basically you kind of I, I love turkey hunting but when you're game warden you're you're kind of patterning the individual's hunting if that makes sense so and, yeah. I, and I was new to Charleston so I didn't know anybody um so I would park my truck hide my truck and just go walk property and you'd be surprised what you'd find I mean all, all sorts of crazy stuff such as well um so I got pretty familiar with the area down here in my first year on um I remember turkey season came in on a Sunday and I woke up on one Saturday morning um and I didn't set an alarm. It just, just kind of happened. Woke up, and I was like, you know, I want to go see if I can get a turkey to gobble. Just go go put my work clothes on and go ride around and see what I can find. And that's just use your instincts on that. But for whatever reason, it was meant to be. And went down this particular road, and um, I knew about every gate that was open and wasn't open and the ones that were locked. <laughs> right. Um, just riding around for, you know, three weeks at a time doing that. And uh, so I remember I saw this the first gate I came to. First gate I came to, I looked to the left, and gate was open. And I was like, well, that's intriguing. Um, so drove down the gate and got down there, and I figured it was a logger or something that left left the gate open. Parked the truck, rolled the window down, got out, hit mouth call just to see if I could get something to gobble, and uh, nothing doing. So got back in the truck and kept on riding down. I got to a chain gate probably, I don't know, maybe half a mile down this dirt road. And sure enough, there was an F-150 sitting there. And I was like, these cats are hunting a day early. I just got a, I had a, had a feeling. Yeah. So I got out of the truck and looked in there. You know, you look for clues, um, just like any other kind of scouting or you're tracking something. And uh, I could tell there were two people in the truck because they had their Bojangles on the console. <laughs> and they had two honey mustards flipped back. I could tell there were two guys that had eaten breakfast. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe they're scouting. You try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I looked in the back seat. And there was a camouflage bag open, and there was a gun case unzipped and laid open as pretty as could be. Uh, and I was like, these jokers are hunting. Well, I was a rookie at the time. Right. So I, I called another guy, um, and some, there's some game wars, believe it or not, that get hired on that they've never hunted and fished. They're just intrigued by the job, and they and they do it. So right. um, I've, I've always hunted and fished from the time I could walk. So um, I called this guy because he was supposed to get up same morning and go work well he slept in and his first words were you gotta be kidding me you found something i was like i'm dropping you a pin get to me come on so i ran ran the guy's plate and he had turkey tags and all that but i kind of moved my truck a little bit to where they couldn't see if they were going to come out because i you know you never know how far in the woods they are you got to be real cautious going in after two people especially so the story takes a a better turn so hop over the chain gate walking down the road and two guys are coming to me so I'm like, well, they actually heard me in hindsight. They, they told me they heard me move my truck. They didn't, would have never known I was there had it not been for me cranking my truck up again. So they're coming to me, full camo, turkey vest. And I was like, good morning, fellas. You know, obviously, you'd be as nice as possibly can to everybody. Right, right. Um, no matter what you're doing. Um, so they're like, yeah, doing good. I was like, you know, you turkey hunting? He's like, yeah, we're just you know, looking around this morning, looking around, just scouting. I hadn't been to this property. I was like, that's cool. Uh, I was like, Where, where's your shotgun at? And you could just t- they were like, how does he know that? Um, and he said, uh, well, it's around the corner. I'm like, it's around the corner. I was like, well, first off, why are you scouting with a shotgun? And I was waiting on this too. I already prepped myself. And, uh, and he was, why is it around the corner? He's like, oh, you know, in case I saw a hog or a coyote or something like that. I was like, all right, I'll buy that. And I was like, why is it around the corner? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I said, cause you didn't think he's going to see the game warden this morning. So right. anyway, I said, well, take me to it. So we walk over there and yeah, I could tell they were kind of fidgety nervous and we got around the corner and. I said, where's the gun at? And it's literally laid off the side of the road covered in leaves. 
Oh. And I was like, all right, is it loaded? He just kind of hung his head. He's like, yeah. And I said, all right. I was like, do me a favor and unload it. So it's a pump shotgun. He jacks the shell out. And uh, it was a black shell. And I was like, let me guess, three-inch number five Winchester uh, yeah, turkey spring right there. Yeah. He's like, you got me. Got yeah. Me. He's like, man, I almost left it in the truck. So hunting turkey out of season. Yeah, you gone. So there was a feeder down the road. And I was like, is that feeder full of corn? And they're like, I hope not. Well, we walk up there, and sure enough, it was empty. For uh, You know, lucky for them. Get by the truck, write them a ticket, and there's a there's a spot on the ticket that asks where they work at. And uh, so I got down to that part, and I said, you know, who's your employer? And they both kind of looked at each other, looked down, and said, something, something law firm. Oh. And I looked up, and they're like, we're defense attorneys. <laughs> no way. So the, the first big case I made was two defense attorneys. But um, they ended up being uh, really great guys. Um, I charged both of them because they were both hunting. Sure. Um, but I told the guy, I said, man, don't try to do anything squirrely with me. Like, I've got you dead to rights. He's like, no, I'm going to come in and pay it. I said, if you do that, you know, I help your buddy out. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, man, he came to court and, and settled up with me before the court even happened. I said, well, did you get a, did you kill a bird? And I uh, said, yeah, I ended up killing a bird opening day in Buford, <laughs> and I dropped the thing for his buddy. But, yeah, so and then the next day I ended up making a bait case. No way. Um, yeah, and that was an interesting one, too. I'd found that documented it, one I would have never thought would have actually panned out. And um, came in there on a rainy day, and if, if it's raining for me personally, I'm going to go to a field. Most time turkeys going to go out there. But That's right. You got to think most people baiting turkeys – aren't aren't true turkey hunters um so i said well maybe they're gonna be in this blind sure enough i was like game warden you saw the whole blind jump um <laughs> so that that was a good one too that was the first year on um and that's, that was kind of a funny story was the defense attorney yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh mr green pants oh yeah for sure dang well good for you that's a neat like you said it, it's uh not everybody gets to chase their dreams and i feel like folks who get into that line of work right have a passion for the outdoors has a passion for conservation and want it to be around for other generations and so you know you uphold the law and make sure everybody's following it but i can only imagine some of the stuff you find people doing or you know i don't know well and there's so many stories and it, it's funny because if if you don't ask somebody to, to tell it it, it there's just it just keeps on coming i mean every right. day was something different stuff you couldn't make up there's everything from real serious and and sometimes morbid um to just absolutely comical um but now and, and you're right i mean everybody gets into that i think i mean me personally um, being a huge outdoorsman it's um and it's true in any line of work you get some people who are um you know not not as nice as others some things but sure. people who are in it for the right reason i mean it's it really is a, a, a very rewarding job uh, but now i get to chase turkeys instead so. that's right and songs <laughs> did the did you guys have dogs in the program so there was a canine program before I came on, and it started up right when I left. Gotcha. Um, and those dogs are, are pretty incredible. Um, I mean, they, they hit on all sorts of, and it's, it's crazy how much they find that a, a human never would, whether it's a game that gets thrown off somewhere or sure. a hidden gun, something like that. Um, yep. Say, say the, second, the other guy hit his gun, I'd have never seen it. That's right. Um, if he had been lying to me, so you have a lot of, it's definitely a, a very valuable tool. Yeah. And their labs. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, I find that. That would be another aspect of training dogs that if I had to change my path in life and stop training hunting dogs, I would love to learn detection work and bite dog work too. That like seeing those dogs do their job and or like the dogs that are dual purpose that, you know, your shepherd or Malinois that'll be a bite dog, but then also track a human or find a gun or find drugs or bomb. I mean, they can find so much stuff. It, it, it blows my mind how versatile those dogs are 
and how they can turn it on and off and go home and play with the kids. And then the next day they're chasing some bad guy down and ripping his arm off. Oh yeah. And, and, and I don't know as much about the, the canine aspect just cause I didn't do that. Um, but I got two buddies that, that are currently, um, SCD and or canine officers. And, um, to my knowledge, we don't have bite dogs, assault detection, but what's crazy is, so we were state game wardens, but we worked offshore and you got federal guys that do that as well. But there's a lot of marine fishery enforcement whether you know like red snapper for example but they actually have dogs that are trained to detect certain fish no way i mean like if you have a red snapper hidden in a build somewhere they will hit just on that hmm. so it really you know i mean obviously in any whatever working dog field you're in it just blows your mind yeah how cool that is mm-hmm. that's cool so now that we dipped back into the fishing let's talk about our little fishing trip this morning oh yeah so oliver i, I was talking to oliver um maybe a, like not long ago a week ago like this was short notice I think it was last week yeah and i'm i'm coming up on my last week here in charleston and and this is i think my fourth winter down here and every time i come i'm like man look at the oceans right there like everything is right here to go fishing and i never get to go i just work 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 and never take a minute to kind of enjoy the luxury of being this close and, and so I didn't get to fish over and over and over again. So I'm like, eh, this is another damn trip where I don't get to go and try it. I've never caught a red fish. I've never saltwater fish. I'm trying to think. I've never even saltwater fished. So like, it's just another week. And he's like, well, let me call my friend Beam. He's got a boat. He might be able to take you. And then you guys could do a podcast together. It'd be great. I'm like done. And you put it together and you came out here, you drove an hour and 10 minutes away, butt crack of dawn, caught us some mud minnows, and we went out. Which is generally not my style live bait-wise, but uh, to, to preface that, you know, Ollie called me last week, and I, I actually so I moved to McClellanville, which is a pretty good ways north. It's You'll have to come out there next time we, we do a trip. Um, but I would actually had my boat in the water for the first time since I moved last week up there. And I hammered the fish. It was pretty. Tides are yeah. perfect. Um, that full moon came around, and, and when Ollie called me, I started looking at the tides, and I was like, ooh, it's going to be a, a ripping tide. There's really not a low tide stage during the daytime. Um, and then on top of that, you have a cold front coming in, and the winds have been have not stopped, I don't think, this year. Right. Um, so I knew it was going to be a, a very difficult time to go fish, but I was like, you know, I'm, I'm hard-headed. I want to make it happen. That's right. Um, and this is my old stomping grounds here, so it was really cool to come back. I hadn't fished here in probably – I said a year and a half, maybe closer to two years. Really? Um, but I used to fish this area a good bit. So it was cool that there's still fish where historically they have been. Um, but I, I knew that I'd try to catch some mud bennies just, just to make sure with a 20-mile-an-hour you know, winds and <laughs> dropping barometric pressure that those locked jaw fish would still bite. But I tell you, that was a, a heck of a trout you caught. Oh, thank you. It was fun, man. You know, we, got, we pull up to the first dock, and you're, like, walking me through how we do it and, like, the similarities to bass fishing we're just talking fish and and i'm not a a diehard fisherman but i like to go and and i mean the you just boom this is where we want to put it right here and then all of a sudden you cast and it's like don't i mean you couldn't have if you were playing darts you'd be bullseye 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 every cast was money and uh first cast it's first cast that one hit and and really my intention again was um I'm, i'm a bass fisherman from the time I was probably two years old. Um, so I throw almost strictly artificials down here. It's just like bass fishing. Um, and I catch a lot of trout, redfish, and flounder doing all that. 
Um, but really, I wanted to get you a redfish first yeah. and foremost, and then my plan was to catch one and then move on. But I mean, I could I could tell with that that barometer dropping, those fish were not eating live bait very well either. So I mean, we had a bunch of hits that um, there's nothing that either one of us could have done. They just they just weren't eating very well. Yeah, it was it was cool though. I mean, he he re- it was like boom reels it in. It was a good one, and it, I'm like hell yeah, we're in baby. <laughs> and uh, and we stayed in that area. We had a couple hits there you know, getting a feel for it and move to a couple of different locations and send it, set the hook, reeling it in. And it's like, it's a good fight. Like, this is awesome. Like we're, I'm having fun. I, I'm having fun anyways. Cause you know, it's fishing, not catching, but, but man, it, it felt good to reel it in. You're like, that's a trout. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a trout until it's, it's pretty tannic water up here um, in this area of the river, but I didn't realize it was a trout until I couldn't see it shaking its head until it got to the net, and it uh, got in the net, and I was like, that is a gator. It was kind of like the size of it I wasn't expecting. That's probably the biggest one I've seen up here. If it, had, I'm telling you, if it had been in April, that would have been a five, five-and-a-half-pound fish. It was cool. Um, so that, that's awesome. I mean, that in and of itself is worth, worth Absolutely. Every, everything. It was a beautiful um, fish. But then we got you on a red right after that. Yeah, literally. I think the next cast mm-hmm. caught a red, and, uh, man, I, they're just a beautiful fish. It's really, really neat. So I, I – Thank you for doing this to to get me out, kind of guide me a little bit and show me the ways of the water down here, man. It's just, it's different. And, uh, it was really cool. Yeah. I can't wait to get you back here during the summertime. Uh, hopefully at some point you can find some time to get away. And, um, it really is. It's awesome when they start hitting top water. Yeah. Tell, what is that like? What do you like to use? So I use a Zara spook almost religiously. Um, that's just, the bass fisherman and me but it works really well down here for for trout and reds um but you get a trout that size hitting top water and then generally they're stacked up in a school um and you can just hammer them and on low tide you can catch redfish and the same thing and you can catch big reds doing it really mm-hmm. and what are you looking for when you're trying to scout and you're you're riding around what are you looking for so for the redfish on low water like to move up on oyster eggs um and then once that tide gets up they'll start pushing into the grass which a lot of guys down here catch them tailing um, which means you can you know, look for them messing around in the grass in the high tide eating crabs or shrimp or, or chasing minnows. But um, you'll see the tail out of the water like a flag. Um, and I thought I'd get into that when I first got down here, but then I discovered trout are way more aggressive um, for the most part. So um, on low water, I'll go after redfish, and then high water as those oyster eggs or whatever structure it may be. Um, if you can find some pylons or some, I mean, any, anything, or a point wherever the current's coming around, almost like I don't know if any freshwater fishermen out there that fish for trout fly fishing wise you're almost reading water like you'd be fishing a stream where a fish would be but then you're kind of combining the bass fishing knowledge on artificials and then and, and catching fish that way so high waters trout like that yeah it was like a hybrid way of doing it right which i don't know if that's the right way that's the way that i've taught myself that's, since that's, I've been the, beam way. Yeah, that's, that's the beam way that's the yeah. beam way that's cool all right let's get into your career a little bit so you know, game warden playing gigs at night doing your thing and there's a moment in your career where it's like, I got to choose, and you made the choice. Uh, walk us through. Walk us through that because it's not easy to leave a dream job to chase a dream that you know, it may may not work out. You don't know, and now you left this. So walk us through that. Yeah, so it was it was interesting, and it happened a whole lot faster than I thought it would have. Even even looking back on it, um, and you know everybody was saying that, telling me. As I said before, you pull somebody over and they're like, hey, you're that guy, you need to go do this. Uh, and I love being a game warden. I mean, every day I went to work, you never knew it was going to be. It was always something new. 
Um, love the guys I work with. Like I said, I still actually talked to one of them this morning. Um, but there was, I, th- I, th- I guess call it divine intervention, if you will, but South Carolina Governor's Cup is a, a billfish tournament down here on the coast, and they invited me to play the captain's meeting on a Wednesday. So play guitar for that, and I started to get, I already knew some captains at the tournament just from checking their boats um, on, on the law enforcement side of things. But I played that, and people were like, the people who actually put the tournament on wanted me to come back that weekend. I said, well, Mike's on call. I can't, can't come down here and play an actual show. They're like, well, at least come down here, bring your girlfriend, and go to dinner. So well, that sounds good. So I, I drove my state truck down there, had all my stuff in case I needed to respond to something, and I did throw my guitar in the truck. And just in case, just in case, no speakers, just, just acoustic in case it was for a select handful of people. And it was, I'd kind of in my mind started thinking, you know, I want to do this, but again, it's not stable. You know, there's everybody trying to do it. Should I do this? And we got done with dinner, grabbed my guitar and I walked down the dock to this boat called Tina's tripping as a sport fisher. And, uh, I, but, lo- I love girls named Tina. Well, it, Tina's tripping. And so, uh, <laughs> The owner of the boat is uh, Trip Rice, and his wife is Tina. There you go. And they own AOPI Prosthetics out of Augusta. And they're actually based out of Edgefield, but their business is Augusta. They now have a Columbia office in South Carolina, so they do, um, again, prosthetics and orthotics. And he actually makes them. Their work is fantastic. I mean, he, he talk about somebody passionate about their job. But I did not know Trip at this point. I knew a buddy of mine named Martin Pageant who fished on this boat. That name you can't forget, Tina's tripping. So I was like, well, there's the boat. I'm going to walk up there and see if he's there. So I walked down the dock, and I said, hey, man, is Martin Pageant on this boat? And it was Trip on the back of the boat spraying it off. He said, no, man, he's at a wedding, but uh, do you know how to play that thing? And I was like, yes, sir, I do. I said, matter of fact, I'll play on the back of your boat if you want me to. He said, well, come on with it. So I ended up playing acoustic that night. Ollie was there. Um, there's probably videos on everybody's iPhone that night. I mean, it was just the the coolest, I mean, spur-of-the-moment thing that happened. Probably 60 people on the dock. I ended up getting a T-shirt that I still have to this day, a Tina's Trippin' T-shirt. Um, I think some people started some kind of little tip jar on the fighting chair and um, just met some great people that night, and it was it was an awesome time. And so I left, got back to the house. I, I think I just nodded off, and my state phone rang, and I got a call. There was an overturned boat, people in the water, and uh, one person was missing. And I just, all I could think of was, this isn't good, because I wasn't drinking that night. Obviously, I was on call, but... Uh, there were a lot of other people that were listening were, and I only, my gut just told me, oh my gosh, you know, it's, those events can kind of be party events anyway. And I was afraid that it was connected. There's all sorts of videos of the game right, where right. playing guitar on the back of the boat. So, um, long story short, I ended up getting, I found out it was completely unrelated. Uh, a guy had come in, stolen a boat, got kicked out of every bar while I was there, unbeknownst to me, got kicked out of every single bar, tried to get back in the boat and leave when they did. They threw the dock line off and got caught in a prop and got caught sideways in the curtain. They flipped. Well, it just so happened they flipped the slip across from where I was playing. No way. So mass chaos. Everybody's kind of freaking out in the midst of this. I get there. It's about 2 o'clock in the morning at this point. And I remember standing on the catwalk of a dock there at Bohigan Marina. And I looked to my left. And it was the most peaceful night. I'll never forget that. I looked, and there was nobody on the boat that I played on. But I was like, that was the coolest thing I've ever done. And I looked to my right. And it's like a perfect T, you know, if you can picture this. I look to my right, and I see this upside-down boat. Guy's still missing in the water. I got to go screen this guy for BUI, and I already heard he was um, not the most pleasant individual right. um, from the deputies on scene. And I'm the only game warden. And I'm like, this is what I've trained to do. I want to do this. But that was definitely the merge in my mind. 
And uh, so it ended up being, it was kind of a cluster that night. I ended up blocking the guy up for felony BUI. Um, if it could go wrong, it went wrong that night, let me tell yeah. you. Everything yeah. from getting in the other officer's truck, and his truck was about empty, so I had to, and then he didn't have his uh, credit card in the truck, and it just, anyway, I think I left the jail that morning at like 10 o'clock in the morning after we got the warrants and everything. So, um, But from that point on, really, every every time I was on call, there was just something that happened just out of this world, stuff you couldn't make up. I mean, somebody uses a boat without permission, hits a buoy, catches fire, the guy runs, and, then, I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. Right, right. Um, it, as that was happening, I was getting more and more shows bigger shows more following where people are like so it, it just kind of seemed like everything on the guitar side of things was really taking off and i remember on a monday night uh, i played a uh, place on shim creek here in charleston and say that word one more time shim creek shim shim creek s-h-e-m i know yeah. but i say shim too and i get my fiance is like it's sham sham creek i don't know like, but I, I, call it, I call it shim shim creek <laughs> that's how i say it too. Shim, it's, it's like cashers cashers that's right oh so I played a bar there at Shim Creek and got back to my girlfriend's house that night. And I remember counting, counting tip jar or whatever it was on a Monday. I just looked at her and I said, I'm moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, she looked at me, she said, oh, I know. <laughs> and I was like, I just can't, this is, I've always had a fit, like just, I can't even explain it. I would lay awake at night. It would bother me that bad going, I've got to do this because so what if it doesn't work? But I know even now through all the hardships we've been through, it's, it's not going to fail. Because it's just we got way too good of a following. We got all sorts of stuff that's just way um, going way too good. And so, so I remember I had a roommate lined up to move in with in Nashville, heading into that would have been the beginning of 2018. And I was playing at a game warden's birthday party of all places, and got off the stage that night. And a buddy of mine named Styles B said, "Man, are you, you know, what's your plans? This music thing? He's like, are you trying to take this to the next level?" And at that point, this would have been in the end of September of 17, I said, absolutely. I mean, I'm ready to rock and roll with this. He said, well, I got a buddy of mine that I want you to meet. And I said, well, who's that? He said, his name's Joe Taylor. He's a critically acclaimed guitarist. Um, he plays, he's really a jazz guitar player, but he plays everything. And his extensive list of musicians is, uh, and friends, really, contacts is, is unreal. Um, so, and I'd heard that so many times. you got to meet such and such. This person's, you know, the person you need to meet. And I think I'm the king of knowing the person that knows the person, but... Two days later, I found myself in Joe Taylor's studio in Bennett's Point, South Carolina, and the rest is really history. I, I walked in before I could even crack my guitar case open. Um, he said, well, you got it, but listen to me if you want to listen to my his opinion at that point in time and um, see what you think. So I played all the songs for him that I'd written. He said, you can go to Nashville if you want to, and, but he's like, I'm not stopping you, but if you want to do something different, He's like, and I, I kind of pick up on the fact that you're you're wanting to do this because you want to do it your way, and um, I don't necessarily, I'm not a pop country guy. I'd call it way more traditional. Um, right, right, right. And that's what's that's your sound. That's your it is, and it was kind of mojo my driving force. Uh, my roommate at the time, I remember we were watching the ACM awards, and somebody was on there, Sam Hunter, somebody, and he stopped the TV and said, "You need to quit your job and go do this." He said, if "They can right. do this." He's like, "Man, you're singing real country, country that." That people, somebody told me the other day that real country was their pet peeve. I said, man, I'm, I'm real country. <laughs> yeah. Um, he said, if they can do this, you need to go do this. And so um, when Joe said that to me, I said, I'm cool with that. He said, so keep being a game warden and um, as long as you can, and we'll see where this thing goes. Muscle you up was the term he That's used. Right. It's kind of like an athlete's got raw talent, but let's let's give you the right training. Let's get the right stuff in the studio. And he's a great producer, but he also has the studio there at Bennett's Point. 
and it's world class, and he's got the best musicians that, that you can get. And so we started actually playing together as well as recording, and that bought me a little bit of time. Um, yeah. But you only got one weekend off at the time with the state. And so, obviously, that doesn't work well with music because you're gigging every weekend. Right. Um, so, in May, this was in March, but that May of 2018, there was like three or four big shows. And uh, he asked if I wanted to play him, and I said, I'll, I'll turn my notice in right now um, yeah, to the state. And uh, that's basically the rest of history. So, did that. And uh, that. so, the first gig I played when I, when I left the state was actually on the back of Tina's Trippin'. No way. Except we did it fully hooked up. And uh, I've really become family with, with the Rices. And we played at Edisto, which was like the third or fourth tournament that year. And we actually sunk a dock. From how many people were on it? I, exactly. That's so, so legit. We were on the transom of the boat playing. And there were people unplugging shore power and everything because, I mean, the people were standing in ankle-deep water. That's sick. Um, and so looking back on it, man, I mean, just Governor's Cup. That, to be a mountain boy, the, the, the coastal f- people have really been – just, I mean, un- unreal in in the support that we've had. Um, and then coming into this year, AOPI is a, is a major sponsor. Cool. Um, so it's cool how everything works out in a very short period of time, honestly. So, I mean, when COVID hit, we were doing this for a year and 10 months. Yep. Um, so the pause button's been kind of hit for about a year. Um, but that's with everybody. Yeah. And so, But right now, we use that time to write. Um, we, we dropped a single back in February. We have another single coming out. Um, so the first single was You Should See the Other Guy. Uh, the second single is Selma by Sundown, and it's coming out March 19th, so here in a couple weeks. And then the full, it'll be the debut album, full-length album, 11 songs. is going to be out April 16th. Good for you. Well, you'll have to keep me posted on that yeah. so we can share it with everybody. And you you told me that a video is coming out, so I'll post that as well so everybody can see. That'll be awesome, man. Absolutely. That'll be cool. So what are some goals for this year? Get back on the road, number one. Um, yeah. and, and they just lifted the restrictions Yesterday in South Carolina for bars closing at 11 o'clock or stop serving alcohol at 9. Um, so now those will be rock and roll until 2 a.m. And now you don't have to get permits for large gatherings of 250 people or more. So that's really going to help us out because we had really kind of cleared the bar scene when this whole thing happened. But being relatively a nobody and we grew so fast, I mean, we went from being a game warden to not long, I mean, t- a few short months after that, opening up for Aaron Tippin. And then we headline the same venue after that. Um, but then, obviously, everybody asks me, where do you play? I always say backyard barbecues to big stages. Yeah. Um, and it just snowballs, catches on like wildfire. Um, but that the mass gatherings is really what we're waiting on. because, yeah. And we are playing the Windjammer here in Charleston for the album drop party on April 16th. Cool. Um, but I would say a big goal for this year is getting back to Texas. So we had a Texas run planned last July. And obviously, you know what happened last year. So... Um, and it was it was up in the air until like the week of, and basically the, their governor shut them down. Um, so we're still waiting to get to that, and that's really the main thing. And as we talked about on the boat, I've got social media, and but I should have started it a long time before I sure. did. Um, but the way I spread the word is seen as believing, and I think there's a lot to be said about that in any really trade or a lot of lines of work. Is that um, you know, our live shows is how we spread word shaking hands organic following and hitting the road because no matter where we've gone people are just like what is this yeah um so i'm ready to get back to doing that and when we go to texas we'll play a whole lot of places on the way there and on the way back um so that's a real big goal but honestly anywhere i can play a g chord for a packed house right now i'm um, ready i'm ready ready. yeah good for you man good for you well tell everybody where they can find your music and find you on the old instagrams 
So uh, you can find me on Instagram under Beam Country. That's Beam like the whiskey, country like the music. Um, we're we're <laughs> like on. Uh, I'll get into. Yeah, there's a funny story behind that. But uh, so, and then all the music's available on Spotify, Apple Music, um, really anywhere music is streamed. I'm not sure about Pandora. That one's a little bit weird. Um, but for right now, I'm, I'm a big Spotify guy. Um, but you can find all the music there right now. We got five or six songs out. The single will have, or I'm sorry, the, the album will have 11 songs um, on it coming out. And then again, look out for the music video. I'm supposed to get an edit back from that tomorrow, but I would think here in a couple of weeks it'll drop uh, probably on YouTube and my social media. And I'm obviously on Facebook. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we, we do a lot of things backwards here at, at Beam Country. Um, everybody always calls me Beam. Right. Always has. And a lot of people don't even know my first name or they didn't before doing music. So when we started getting serious about this, my producer said, you know, do you want to go by Andrew Beam? And my first reaction was, well, what else would I go by? So I kind of like Beam. Yeah. And so I do too. I mean, that's what my name. Yeah, let's do that. And I got a song called The Beam in me. Um, <laughs> and uh, we got a Budweiser sponsorship, but I'm, I'm after Jim Beam as well because I already got the jingle. But, uh, and that was a clip. I wrote that when I was at Clemson. But so we're going to go by Beam. Well, when we released the first single, there is a rapper named Beam, which doesn't matter other than the fact that my distribution at the time messed up and put my song under the rapper's profile. And that rapper has got a huge following. And so everybody that clicked on my song, it put the profile in an underground rap algorithm. No way. So it wasn't getting streamed. Nobody could find it. And so it was it was a heck of a thing. So you were a hit in Chicago, though. But they didn't they didn't <laughs> listen to it for thirty seconds, or I'd have been all right. Because yeah. if, if all one or I think it was one hundred sixty thousand monthly listeners had listened to it, it would have at least give us you know a lot of spins. Um, so we had two more songs that came out, and for a year. Nobody could find my music. And when you're doing good. it for a short period of time so far, I mean, that's a lot of lost digital following, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I was at an Oyster Roast for Ducks Unlimited uh, with my girlfriend, and, and somebody came up and said, oh, my gosh, you date Beam Country. And she looked at me like, you got to be kidding me. Because my Instagram has always been Beam Country. Instead gotcha. of Beam Music, it was Beam Country. And she says, is that what they're calling you now? And I kind of looked at her, and I was like, that's kind of genius. So... We added country to the stage name because everything, it's beamcountry.com. That's also my website. Yeah. Um, beamcountry.com. So I was like, let's just keep it the same. Yeah, beam like the whiskey, country like the music. And love people it. that got it, got it. They loved it. It's like, man, that's beam country. People that had never heard me were like, is this a joke? That's awesome. Because then they wonder if that's a band or, or wh what is this? And then I had people advertising Andrew Beam instead of beam country, and you couldn't. It was, so we got everything on the same page the week before COVID shutdown hit. So now everything is Andrew Beam on all platforms, and a lot of people still come up to me because we haven't been playing as much. They don't know. They're like, man, where'd your music go? I can't find Beam Country. Um, so really, and it makes a lot more sense. I don't know why we just didn't go the path of least resistance in the first place. Sure. That's not our style. No. Um, but Andrew Beam is me, the person, the artist. Beam Country is really the following. So everybody is, is family here at Beam Country, I, I like always it. say. So. I like it, dude. Yep. Well, I appreciate you being on our show. I appreciate you taking me fishing and, and driving all the way out here to do it. I had a blast. That, those awesome memories, and I'll never forget it. So I appreciate you very much. Everybody go check them out. Um, everywhere music's played. Under Andrew Beam. <laughs> Apparently under Andrew <laughs> Beam for a little bit longer. Yeah, and uh, check them out on Instagram. I'll share all this stuff. And, uh, man, I, I thank you very, very much for coming and doing this with me today. It was, it was a great morning. Absolutely, man. I had a blast. And I appreciate it. And everybody, um, do, do me a favor and check out the music, spread the word, all your friends. It's, it's traditional country. 
and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a dog too once things come back and I'm a little more financially uh, stable, if you will, if there is such a thing in the, the music industry. But uh, I'm ready to get one of those Oliver Berman Foundation Retriever Mackie Pups. That's right. Shout yeah. out to Ollie. Yep. My man. All right, dude. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, man. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today.